This is the Nine Microwave Truth, and I'm CL Whiteside. How have you been doing? How have you been dealing with COVID? I can't lie to you, I'm tired of it. I'm ready to get back to, to normal life. I'm tired of remembering a mask. And I just, are, are you the type of person that wears a mask and it has to match the outfit that you wear or can you just throw in any mask? Something that I can say has helped though with the mask. Masks have helped people with bad breath. And I'm going to tell you something I've noticed. The number of people who ask me for gum has drastically dipped. And this is what I think masks have done with people with bad breath. It's one, it's concealed it. It's concealed it so I just don't have to smell it or you don't have to smell it. But I think it's also done this too. When you're wearing a mask, you have no choice but to smell your breath at times, your own breath. And if you got bad breath and it's coming back to you, that's going to force you to brush your teeth more. Or maybe it's for some of you to actually floss and get that rotten food out of your mouth. Now, I don't know how I got down this rabbit hole of the mask and bad breath, but masks have definitely helped people with bad breath, I think, or at least concealed it. Don't start changing up when we get rid of this mask either. Keep brushing your teeth and keep flossing. But I just started thinking about Jesus and his grill. And this is our first world problem today. What do you think Jesus' grill looks like? And what type of oral hygiene did he have? When just thinking about the times of Jesus and doing a little research, I was reading something that said most people in Jesus' time had a missing tooth or a few. And they talked about the toothbrushes. They didn't have dentists and toothpaste and electric toothbrushes. They talked about the toothbrushes possibly being like tree branches or, or twigs. But they also talked about some of the food helping break down the decay and, they not ha- and them not having as much sugar. But I want you to think about this. Do you think Jesus had a jacked up grill? Or do you think Jesus had bad breath? Now, I know some of you are already thinking like he couldn't have bad breath because some of y'all bad breaths is definitely a sin. I'm just kidding, guys. Don't take it too personal. If your breath is a little tart, Jesus still loves you. But yes, this is our first world problem today. Do you think Jesus's grill was jacked up or he was missing multiple teeth? And if Jesus was in our time, would he floss twice a day? Once a day? Would he brush his teeth after every single meal? How do you think Jesus would take care of his oral oral hygiene now? And how do you think he took care of his oral hygiene back then? (laughs) And I got to admit, I'm actually excited to hear some of your responses and theories on how you think Jesus's grill was and teeth were. Share these with me on Instagram or Twitter, championlife23. And this is our first world problem. I'm hungry. Let's eat. It's dinner time. Now, this is one of these episodes where you're definitely going to need to chew and digest on what we talk about today. The title of this episode is My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life. And what made me think about this is just talking to different people and even myself, how much I hear and say to myself, like, man, I I just want to be comfortable in life. Like, I don't need to be rich or wealthy. I just want to be smooth. Like, I just want to be comfortable in life. I don't want to have to struggle for certain things. 
And again, I don't need to be rich. I just want to be good. Like, I want to be comfortable. Do you ever find yourself saying that? And I have a stash of questions that will tell you a lot about people and how they feel. And this has inspired this episode of My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life. Now, this is 15 years of research. This is for me asking students that I work with from talking to people at the bar to talking to people at family gatherings or just meeting random people. Like, And I'm telling you, I have a lot of random conversations with people, whether it's on the airplane or in a grocery store. I don't know why, but it just happens. And the question is this that I ask people at times. I'll paint the picture like this. I'll say, hey, this is the button. All you have to do is push this button and you get a million dollars. But the catch is you pushing this button kills someone in a different country. You won't see this person. You don't know this person. Would you do it for a million dollars? Now, I want you to think about that same question. What are you doing? What are you picking? Are you pushing that button? Or are you passing up on the million dollars? And if money's not your thing, what if you could get rid of your greatest pain or your biggest suffering or your toughest trauma just by pushing a button and killing someone else? Someone that you don't know. Would you do it? Now, I'm going to share some of the responses that I remember people giving for why they would push the button and take the money or get rid of their trauma or suffering. I remember vividly this girl giving me one of the most trill answers ever. She said, that's a lot of money and people die every day. I remember another time when someone talked about how life changing that would be for them, how they would be able to fund themselves to go to college or other people, how they would even give to charity. It's almost like they thought they could make up and control doing good stuff to make up for them killing that person. And then another one, another response that I thought was super bizarre was I was talking to someone and they were like, well, what if the person already wanted to die and you were just putting them out of their misery? And it's like, why? Why would you think that? And it's like, man, it's crazy how we put definitions or meaning on things when we have no background to it and we want to justify why we do what we do. And there's a common theme that I notice with people that push the button say or all kind of come down to. They say, one, if I was on the other side, that person would probably push the button. So why wouldn't I push it? And they put the worst characteristics on the person they don't know. And again, this is research and responses from people that are 15 years old all the way to people who are old. old. Now, there are questions that people ask that. They're asking to see which way they can be swayed or to come up with more background on why they should pick one over the other. And one of those questions is, is the death going to be a quick and painless death? Some people have asked, will the person die in their sleep or is it going to be something that's long and suffering and almost like torturing? Another question people ask is, are you 100 percent sure I don't know this person? Like, do I have any type of tie to them? And I'll respond like, I don't know. I don't know. Aren't we all one or two people away from knowing anyone in this world? 
And the other question that a lot of people ask is, is there any way I can get caught? And my response to that in this scenario, just for this question, is no. You will not get caught. The only person I will know is you yourself and the person who told you when to push the button. But if you wanted to tell other people, you definitely could. Okay, on the flip side, though, people who said they would not push the button all had a common theme. The theme was you cannot put a price or amount on a person's life. They also talked about it weighing on their conscience too much and them not being able to live with themselves knowing that they murdered someone. One person gave me just a great illustration. He was like, man, I could picture and see all the cars I could get with this money. He said, but at the same time, I could picture me murdering or killing my dad. He said, because I have to look at it like this. Man, I just murdered someone else's dad. And I, he put himself in the position of the person who lost their father. He said just because of that, he wouldn't be able to do it. So all of these people either see their family or their friends or someone that they love on the other end dying, even though they did not know this person. They didn't put the worst characteristics. Instead, they put the, the best characteristics and they had some type of attachment just knowing that, hey, this is a human being. And a very telling thing is that most of them admitted that the money would might provide temporary happiness, but they would have a guilty conscience that they wouldn't be comfortable with. On the other hand, the people that did push the button, the reason that they would push the button is because they think that it would provide comfort and they think it would provide pleasure and make their life so much better. But here on this episode of My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life, we are going to look at what is really true and what is the non-microwave truth? Because I know some of you would push that button. And if you thought a million was too little, bump it up to five million or 10 million. Shoot, make it a billion. And best believe comfort comes with a cost. And I just want you to think about that. What do you find comfort in? What are you willing to do to get comfort? Is your comfort worth more than someone else's life? That's the question right there. Is it worth more than someone else's life? Now, I don't know which one is worse. Is it worse to never have had it? And then you have an opportunity to get it in the wrong way? Or is it worse to have it and feel like you've worked for it and to have the cars, the millions of dollars, the beautiful home, and then be asked to give it all up? Which one is worse? This makes me think about the rich young ruler. And I know I talked about him a couple of episodes ago, but what makes this unique and why I want to look at this real quick is because Jesus rattles off a bunch of commandments that the rich young ruler was he was comfortable following. But as soon as Jesus said, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Hey, and then come follow me. <laughs> he didn't want to give up his comfort. He didn't want to sell everything and give it to the poor. And let's just keep it real. That's the reason that we at times try to live double lives or a lot of times we don't follow or live a godly life. Because it makes me think how I don't want to give up being comfortable because sometimes we're too comfortable doing wrong. And like, I don't want to change. 
I think I know what is best for me. And we want everyone else around us to change to make us comfortable. Or am I just the only one who can admit this? And with the rich young ruler, he thought his life was greater than the poor people's life. Now, this might be drastic to you, but some examples of groups of people who didn't want to give up their pleasures and comfort. I think about slave owners. They didn't want to give up their comfort and see the slaves free. And a lot of those people call themselves Christians. Or how about educational leaders who can see a created disparity in our system, but they don't want to make a change or work to get a change because that could mess up their dollar amount. Or how about I'll give you an example of a man who see women being treated unfairly or being abused and not saying anything. Now, these are things we can easily see are wrong right now. And right now, it's super cool to talk about racism and sexism and point out people's flaws. Because right now it, it costs us nothing. But you know it's real and you know your comfort is on the line and it's really starting to affect you when it affects how much money you make it or, or how you eat or when it causes you to lose some friends or when all of a sudden you start losing status and you start losing that title and people want to cancel you and kill your name because you gave up your comfort to stand up for the right thing. And this just makes me think of Moses, man, like Moses was goals. Moses was living in the palace. He had royalty. He had the status. He had the name. He had the finer things in life. He had people serving him. He was comfortable. He had the chariot on rims. He was rich. He could have just turned his head. But nope, he couldn't do it. Moses forfeited his comfort and didn't turn his head when he saw one of his fellow Hebrews being mistreated. Moses stood up for what was right. Now, Moses did it completely wrong because he went and killed the man. And Moses forfeited the easy, convenient, microwave life of comfortability to stand up for another man. Now, again, the point is not that you should go out and kill someone when they're mistreating someone else, because that's completely wrong. The point is, though, and what I want you to think about is, would you have stood up for this man and a group of people that was being mistreated? Would you have forfeited your comfort? Would you have forfeited your spot in the palace? Would you have forfeited your status and your title and your money and your fame in order to help some man you might not even know? And what we see is Moses's comfort was not greater than this man's life. I bet a lot of us, a lot of us would have turned our head, though, and be like, that man probably did something wrong. That Hebrew probably deserves it. We would have put the worst characteristics on that person who was getting mistreated. And we would have sat out of it. Like, yeah, I'm going back home, sitting in a jacuzzi, maybe get a massage, watch a little gladiators. And we see in Moses' life, he learns how to give up his comfort the right way. He allows God to teach him how to lead an entire nation out of bondage the right way. Now, Moses made a choice. But I know at times we feel like God doesn't give us a choice and he forces us to give up our comfort. Maybe when we don't even want to. And this just made me think of Mary and Joseph, Jesus's earthly parents. You cannot, you cannot plan to be a virgin and give birth to a child. So I know their life completely changed. That's not, nobody can plan for that. And I just know all the different things they had to be hearing. Hey, Joseph, you still staying with her? 
You staying with Mary? Who who the dad? You not the dad? You telling me you didn't hit that? Oh, uh, you crazy. You staying with her? Okay, do you. Or how about the whispers about Mary? Um, I don't mean to be a gossip, but have you seen Mary? Yes, she's so prego. Yes, Joseph's staying with her. I can't believe it. He could do so much better. Like, their reputation and their name had to be killed. But despite all of this, they were still obedient to God. Their comfort wasn't greater than his plan or Jesus' life. And just looking at Mary and Joseph compared to, to me or you, in our lives, if it doesn't bring me pleasure or it doesn't bring me comfort and, and I can't control it, that's, that's terrifying. And we all want to control something or we all want to hold on to something. Like all of us have a desire to be better. Like I look at myself, I, I want to be better. But that becomes a problem when I want to be superior than someone. We're all sinful. I'm sinful. We're selfish. I'm selfish. And it comes down to examining and finding the things in my life that could cause me to treat a person as less than human. So it's about finding those things you're comfortable with and you shouldn't be comfortable with. So we've been using the most drastic thing with death, but it could just be keeping someone down. And this is something that you have to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to the light and also ask, am I holding on to something too tight? Am I chasing the wrong comfort? Now, this is an aspect we haven't touched yet, but it really just hits every point on the head. And what and this is something that I think that we feel and especially those who have rejected Jesus or rejected Yah, or rejected the Holy Spirit, the triune God, is the thought process of this. We at times and especially those who reject Jesus say my comfort is greater than your life. And that comes down to thinking that my comfort is greater than Jesus's life. And the devil is a smart one. He's good at what he does. One of his greatest attacks is going up to God and say, hey, I dare you to give them more pleasure. I dare you to give them more comfort because you know what? I bet you they'll forget about you. I bet you they'll get consumed with stuff of this world. I bet you they won't care about their spiritual life anymore. And something that I've heard people say, especially people who might have been Christians their whole entire life, but all of a sudden they start trying to live a more righteous and God-pleasing life. And when they started living a more God-pleasing life, more bad stuff actually started happening in their life. And one of the best analogies that I've ever heard was someone who broke it down like this. He said, if you are willingly walking to the slaughterhouse or the abyss, why would I need to do anything clever to get you to go? And this is the group of people that he was referring to that have rejected Jesus Christ. They are already on their way to the slaughterhouse. They're already on their way to the abyss. So in fact, he just needs to make the path even smoother. He needs to make the path even better. He needs to make the path even more comfortable. But on the other hand, if you're on the right path, that's when the devil's like, hey, God, can I send some bombs? Can I send some bullets? Can you allow some traumas to happen in their life? Because I bet you they'll go on the wrong path then. Which path are you headed on right now? And even from a worldly perspective, I think this next concept that I'm going to give you is easy for people to understand. I tell my athletes this all the time and students, if you want to be great, step out of your comfort zone. Just look at anyone who is great at something. 
they became someone because they stepped out of their comfort zone. It's hard to be comfortable and grow. We understand that growth happens outside of our comfortability. That's just like a life lesson. Now, the same applies when you're trying to be your best for God, though. Or you're trying to be great for him and you're trying to do things for God. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Let me say that again. You have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And the only way you can do that, though, is letting the spirit guide you and fill you up. And you just got to think about this. Who, who gave up their comfort? That makes no sense. Jesus. Jesus sacrificed his comfort. He sacrificed sitting at the father's right hand. He sacrificed being in heaven. And you think this world is good? You think a resort is nice? You think Florida is beautiful or San Diego? It's got nothing on heaven. But Jesus forfeited his comfort for my life, for your life. So if you feel like you shouldn't forfeit any comfort in this life, Jesus forfeited his comfort for you and he forfeited his comfort for me. And this is something you definitely should and could ask the Holy Spirit to move you to do the same. Now, those who can admit that they want comfort and they check themselves because we all need to check ourselves. I need to check myself are the ones who can embrace being uncomfortable. And I know some of you are thinking this question is so unlikely, but some of y'all are pushing the button for less than a million dollars. It's just a couple hundred or you're pushing the button for more likes on social media or more attention and status. And some of y'all are just pushing it for, because you have fear. You have fear that if someone else elevates, that means you automatically descend. We've been brainwashed to think that if I had just this amount of money or if I got rid of this problem or if I could just control this part of my life, I'd be comfortable. And although we might not be pushing a button and directly killing someone, we oftentimes are stepping on someone and holding them down. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You love God a lot of times by loving others. And treating others like God would treat them, which is with grace and compassion. You know how much better this world would be if we stopped pushing the button of quick comfort and started treating others like humans or even crazier, like we want other people to treat us. Thank God the Heavenly Father didn't push the button on us, and we deserve it. He allowed Jesus to be our sacrifice, not from the earthly death, but from eternal death, eternal suffering, and eternal discomfort. Jesus, without a doubt, is the greatest example of giving up his comfort. And even if you say you don't believe in him, you know his name. You can see his name will live on forever because of him sacrificing his comfort and giving up his seat on the throne to come and die for you and me and rise from the dead. Now, if you still think pushing the button and treating people as less than people or like your comfort is greater than their life, that's the devil's trap and that's the devil's lie. And the thing about this lie of my life is greater than your comfort is it's the most potent lie because it tells half the truth. You will most likely be more comfortable and enjoy the pleasures of life for a period of time, but it won't last forever. It's not enough. It's still going to be a void. It's still going to be a missing piece of the puzzle. Like there's no sustainable peace in that. It's not from above. It's not heaven sent. It's like you're getting comfortable having the enemy walk you to the slaughterhouse and ultimately making you miserable. And for those who don't believe in Jesus as their savior, the biggest thing is you're still hopeless. That what if is still there when you die. And I've heard people say, I'm comfortable not knowing 
what happens to me when I die. And that's a lie. I've seen these same people not be comfortable not even knowing what we're going to do next. Or they're not comfortable with knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm going to leave you with one big takeaway today. It's short and it's sweet. You get uncomfortable for God because it's worth it. Don't push the button. Don't push the button. Don't push the button. Thanks for joining me on this episode of My Comfort is Greater Than Your Life. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.